Father, we thank you for the fact that you revive us. God, as we feel empty and alone many days, God, as we struggle through life, whether it be sickness or heartache or whatever it may be, God, it, it is so refreshing to be revived by you, by having our eyes open to your glory and having your, our eyes open to the fact that no matter what we are enduring and what is going on in our life, that God, you can get glory from that. God, it can be to our good and for your glory. All we have to do is surrender everything to you, and we lift up praises to you and worship you for who you are in spirit and in truth. And God, we can see your glory. We can get a taste of your glory, and you just revive us through that. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the fact that I can get cold chills singing that song in the midst of 95-degree heat. God, I praise your name for the fact that, that, that it's not just about the feeling that I get. It's the feeling that I get knowing who you are. And God, the more I know who you are, the closer I get to you and the more empowered I feel to, to do your will. So, Lord, I pray that we all just lean into you right now, that we have our eyes opened by your word and your word alone. I pray there would be nothing that I would say. Would it be everything that you say to these people for your glory and that we might be able to honor you by tuning into you and listening to what you have to say to us, God, so that we can follow your will for our life. And that is our desire right now. So God, open our eyes, open our hearts, God, open our minds, let it penetrate deep into our souls and God, let it change us forever. We praise your name for this precious word. We ask you to bless this time in Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. You guys are firing me up. I'm just saying my heart's like racing, like I just took about 60 Sudafed. Man, it is good to see y'all. I don't know what we're going to do if y'all keep coming. We're going to have to go somewhere else. That'll be okay. We'll find another place. Um, we'll, we'll drag some more chairs in here to begin with. Some of y'all might be sitting up here with me. It'll be fine. It's okay. There's a few of you looking at me like, no, I ain't sitting up there, man. I'll sit wherever you want me to. I ain't sitting up there. Hey, I tell you what, you'd stay awake, though, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be nodding up here. That's why we keep it 105 in here, because nobody sleeps in 105 degree weather, right? I don't care if you're on the beach or not, are you still? Anyway, all right, so my ADHD is kicking in. It's good to see y'all. Uh, we've been talking uh, about Joseph and his life and Jacob and his family and how it's all messed up and his brothers want to kill him and bad stuff's happened to Joseph, but good stuff's happened to Joseph. And now because good stuff's happened to Joseph, great stuff is happening to Jacob and his family. His family's being rescued because Jacob's family, even though they're all messed up, they found the error in their ways. They, they started to become more godly people now. And, and they, they figured out that, man, if God is going to use us, then we got to be the people that God has called us to be, right? So that's our lives, isn't it? Man, if, if we are going to be used by God, then we got to be the people that God has called us to be. We, I, I, look, I know, look, I know that we're all messed up. We got stuff, okay? Everybody's got stuff. You got things that ain't right about you. I'm the same way. I got stuff that ain't right about me. I know people have a tendency because I'm the pastor to put me up on a pedestal and say, well, he's got it all together. He's got it all figured out. That's wrong. I, I promise you, if you talk to me for about five minutes, you'll figure out I ain't got it all figured out. I promise you, you'll figure that out. I got junk, you got junk, but that should not keep us from being used by God. What we need to do is recognize the fact that we got junk, right? That, that's step one. And, and, and that's, what, that's what happened in Jacob's family. They recognized, hey, we got stuff. We ain't exactly right. We got to repent. We got to turn towards God. We got to deal with this stuff so that we can be used by God and we can be this family that God has called us to be. So here we see there's famine that's going on. Famine, that's a big churchy word for it. Ain't no food, right? There ain't, there ain't no food, where Jacob and his family are, 
So they got to go where the food is. Where's the food? The food is actually with, with Joseph down in Egypt. So they got to go to Egypt. And last week we talked about how uh, Jacob and his family had packed up. There's like 66 of them, not including uh, his son's wives, but there's about 75 folks, and they're going down to Egypt. And they got to be in the land of Goshen is where they figure out they're supposed to be. That's, and, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But, but they're going on vacation. What does Forrest Gump's mama say about vacation? Vacation is a place you go and don't ever come back, right? Some of y'all never seen Forrest Gump. I got like teenagers looking at me like, what's he talking about? I think I was a toddler. Anyway, so they're going down there to Egypt where the food is. They're going to hang out in Egypt for a while, and they're going in the land of Goshen because that's where Joseph said that they needed to go. And, and that's where Pharaoh said, you know what? Y'all need to go to the land of Goshen. You're, you're a bunch of shepherds, and, and, and man, you can raise your livestock there. It'll be good, and, and you can hang out there. Well, the thing about it is that's where all the other shepherds were. Egyptians don't like shepherds. That's weird, right? Yeah, they just don't like them. If you look at the last verse of chapter 46 of Genesis, it says, Egyptians despise shepherds. Well, why is that a big deal? Who cares, man? They don't like shepherds. You know, I, what's the big deal there? Well, the big deal is God is using the Egyptian racism, if you want to call it that, as a, as a place of protection for God's people. See, what looks like a bad thing in the fact that the Egyptians are racist, God is actually using that to his glory and for their good by protecting them, by making sure nobody comes in to infiltrate the Israelites. See, one of the things that God said is that, that you're supposed to keep to yourself. The Israelites, they're not supposed to intermarry and intermarry without outside groups. They're supposed to, the Jews are supposed to remain with themselves, right? And the purpose, I went over this a little bit last week, but the purpose of that is so they didn't pollute the religion. It didn't dilute their relationship with God because you know what happens. It, you bring somebody in from the outside and what happens, you're a little less godly and a little bit more like your spouse, right? If your spouse is not godly. Now, everybody says, well, this is the way it was in the old days. I say, no, 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 no. This is the way it is in the New Testament too. We're supposed to not be unequally yoked. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm going to clarify something for you. In case you're a teenager, in case you're a young adult trying to figure out who it is you're supposed to marry, trying to figure out who it is that God has for you and God's plan for your life, you are not supposed to marry someone who's not a Christian. Amen. I have to pause. Let there be a hush that goes across the room so that people can let that sink. You are not supposed to marry somebody who's not a Christian. It's called being unequally yoked. And what happens when you're unequally yoked is it means that everything's a struggle, number one. Everything's a struggle. Everything is a struggle if you're unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked because everything will be a struggle. That's not complicated. That's simple. It's up on the sign. That's simple. Don't be unequally yoked because if you're unequally yoked, then everything's going to be harder. You're constantly going in two different directions. You, you know that you're not for God. If you're not, you're not with God, then, then you're going the opposite direction, right? Well, if you are not pursuing God through your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're headed in the opposite direction. It's not like you're just standing still. You're headed in the opposite direction. You are against God if you're not with Jesus Christ. That's what this Bible teaches. So how in the world are you going to be tied up with somebody in a marriage, connected, asking God to bless and put you two together and take two and make them one if they're not a Christian? It's the same thing today as it was back in, in this day with Joseph and Jacob and his family. So what God was doing, he was using the fact that the Egyptians didn't like shepherds. He's using that as a source of protection for his, his people. 
He's going to protect them and protect their family from being deluded, their relationship with God from being deluded. He's using that. And here we go into chapter 47. The last thing we saw in chapter 46 is that Egyptians don't like shepherds. They despise shepherds is actually the words that it says at the end of 46. We're in Genesis chapter 47, and we're just going to begin there. I've got to do a lot of reading, so bear with me. I'll stumble over a lot of words, and I'll speak some gibberish from now and now and again because it's hard being up here. You should try it sometime. When Joseph went to Pharaoh and told him, My father and my brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They came with all their flocks and herds and possessions. They are now in the region of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked his brother, what is your occupation? Now, what we found last week is that, that Joseph said, when, when Pharaoh asked what you do for a living, you're going to tell him you're a shepherd. But wait, Joseph, they don't like shepherds. i got to go to Pharaoh and tell him I'm a shepherd. Pharaoh's not going to like the fact that I'm a shepherd. What did Joseph say last week? He said, no, we're going to tell him the truth because we're a different kind of people now. We're not like we used to be, and we're not going to lie, and we're not going to cover up and act like we aren't who we are. We're going to go to Pharaoh, and when he confronts you, you are going to say, I am a shepherd. We're done with the covering up. We're done with the lying. We tried that. You tried to kill me as a result of that. We're done with it, okay? We're a new people here. If we're going to be God's people, we better start acting like God's people. So they went to Pharaoh, and his brother, he took five of his brothers with him. He says, my brothers, we live... In Goshen, he said, what do you do? We're shepherds. I'm sure it's a little nerve-wracking for him. We're shepherds. I know you don't like shepherds, but that's who we are. I can't hide behind the fact that I'm a shepherd. What about you? When people talk about Christians, when people talk about people who are following Jesus Christ, do you say, I'm one of those? One of those people you're talking about? One of those, those Bible thumpers that you're making fun of at work? I, I'm one of them. I, I'm, or do you hide it and you try to cover it up and say, well, they don't really like Christians, so I'm not really going to say that I'm a Christian. I'm not really going to let there be evidence in my life that I am because I'm afraid the people at work won't talk to me anymore. The people at school, they don't like Christians. Christians just make me feel bad about the things that I do that are against God. I don't like being around Christians. So you don't say anything. You don't, you don't let them know that you're a Christian. You don't let them know that you love Jesus. Let me encourage you. Don't hide. Don't cover it up. Be honest. Be upfront. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You be you. We got a saying in our family. We say that you just you be you. Now people ain't gonna like you sometimes, but you be you. They're not gonna like what you say. They ain't gonna like what you do, especially if you're a Christian. That's gonna happen. I talked about that last week. But you know what you gotta do? You be you. It ain't godly to cover up and, and lie and try to pretend like you ain't you. That ain't godly. You just be a Christ follower and let them deal with whatever they gotta deal with. If they don't like you, just recognize that that may be for a purpose. There may be a reason why they don't like you. It may be because God is protecting you for some, from something. Uh-oh. Oh, you mean that, that if some people are hellions at school and they're, they're partying and doing all this kind of stuff and they don't like me, 
What does that mean? That could keep me away from the parties and, and the negative influences in my life. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, revolutionary, isn't it? Some people's mind, I just saw his poop, poop all over the place. You've got to be kidding me. People not liking Christians can actually be to my benefit because it may keep me away from some of the temptations that may be lurking around people that aren't Christians. It's written on the sign. Simple. Simple. It really is simple. But we don't want to think that way. You know what we'd rather think? Think. Apparently, that's a southern term. You know what we'd rather think? We would rather everybody like us because that's a lot easier. That's, that's a whole heck of a lot easier for everybody to like us, right? We don't like it when people don't like us. You be you. If they don't like you, they don't like you. Don't cover up the fact that you're a Christ follower because you're afraid somebody won't like you. Boy, this is complicated stuff up here, Kenny. What are you talking about, man? Joseph took his brothers in front of Pharaoh and said, man, we're shepherds. That's what they said. We're not covering up. We're not lying. This is who we are. It's just who we are, man. Joseph took five of his brothers with him, presented to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? They replied, We are your servants, our shepherds, like our ancestors. We have come to live in Egypt for a while, and for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there, so please, we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have joined you here, choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land in Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. If any of them have special skills, put them in charge of the livestock too. But jo Then Joseph brought his father, Jacob, and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How old are you, Pharaoh asked him. I have traveled this earth 130 years, but my life has been short compared to the lives of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before leaving his court. So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt, the, reign of the region of Ramses, to his father and brothers, and he settled them there, just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided food for his father and his brothers and mounts appropriate to the number of their dependents, including the smallest children. Whoo! Well, that's powerful, ain't it? That about knocked your socks off, didn't it? Joseph takes his dad, who is, he's the chief shepherd, right? He's, he's the daddy of all the other shepherds. So he's like, he's like the main guy. He, he's the, the main guy of all the people you despise. He's, he's the main guy to be despised, right? He, 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 he's the despised. I just brought the despised in front of you, and here he is. And he's going in front of Pharaoh, who has ultimate power and authority to do whatever he wants to with anybody that comes into Egypt. He, he, he's, he's sovereign, if you will, in Egypt. He can do whatever he wants to. He can have you killed. He, he, he can have you elevated to second in command like he did Joseph. He can do whatever he wants to. He's powerful. And here is the most despised man coming from a foreign, foreign, foreign land. He's from a long way off, and, 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 and here he is standing before the king. But there's this big churchy word I'm going to throw in front of you right now. Jacob has an intercessor. An intercessor is a word that just means somebody that comes between, somebody that goes and, and like is a liaison, is somebody that, that, that makes everything come together for you. He's the intercessor. He goes for his family and for Jacob, and he says, this is my family. 
Can you think of anybody else in the Bible who is an intercessor between you and the king, the one who has sovereign power? Jesus, that's right. And we are the most despised. We're, we're the most despised because we are against God. We're way over here and doing our thing, serving our flesh and what we desire and what we want, and it's, it's all about us. It's all about us and what we want. And I told you before that if you're not with Jesus, you're against God. That's what this book teaches. This isn't Kenny's book. This is God's book. This is what God said. You're against God. But the beauty of it is there's an intercessor. There's somebody that comes between and somebody that says, you know what, I know how despised these people look like they are, but they're one of mine. They're my people. That's Jesus Christ going before the sovereign king before each and every one of us and saying, I know what they look like. I know how despised they may seem, but trust me, they're mine. Through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on that cross for you and I, he becomes our intercessor and he goes to the king and says, they're one of mine. And God goes, well, you get the best then. You get the best land. Come. Come into Egypt. And you're not even going to just survive in Egypt. You're going to be blessed in Egypt. That's powerful stuff. I am so thankful that I have an intercessor. I'm so thankful that I have somebody that goes for me because I am not worthy to go to the king myself. And Joseph became a slave, right? Sold into slavery so that he could be the intercessor one day. <laughs> Joseph became the slave so that he could be the intercessor one day for all of his family. And his family, you know what they would find? They would be rescued. There's another word for that, for that term rescued. It's called salvation. Amen. Amen. They were saved because of Joseph being into slavery. Does this sound at all like Jesus Christ in the gospel to you? It does to me. We, we are rescued. We are saved because of Jesus Christ being our intercessor, even though we sold him into slavery with all of our sin and all the things that we deserved. Here he is coming on our behalf to the king saying, they're one of mine though. Look, I know they're messed up. I know they got their junk. I know that they, they've got skeletons in the closet. I know they've sinned. I know they, they've done things that break your heart, king. But they're mine. They're mine and they're only mine. So I believe they deserve the best. What do you think, king? He says, give them the best. Give them the best. Now, if your heart's not about to jump out of your chest... I know mine is for all of y'all, but I'm reading this. I'm like, man, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, famine became so severe that all the food was used up. People were starving throughout the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling <coughs> grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money in, in Egypt and Canaan, and he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. When he, the people of Egypt and Canaan ran out of money, all the Egyptians came to Joseph. Our money is gone, they cried. But, but please give us food, or we will die before your very eyes. Joseph replied, since your money is gone, bring me your livestock. I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food, and exchanged their horses and flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and donkeys. Joseph provided them food for another year. It, it, what? Is Joseph taking advantage of some, dis, some, some disadvantaged people? 
Is, is, is he just out to gain for himself? Is he just taking advantage of people here? I don't believe that's the case. See, where was the money going? The money was going into Pharaoh's treasure, treasury, right? That's where the money was going. It wasn't for Joseph's gain. He, he, was just, he was just doing his job, and God was blessing, and things were happening. You ever been to a going-out-of-business sale? Is that you taking advantage of the fact that somebody's misfortunate? Man, this, I want you to understand that, 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 that sometimes gain is not a bad thing. That, that, that God blesses and, and you get. That just happens sometimes. But let me tell you this, it happens for a purpose and for a reason. And God was setting up a greater purpose and a greater reason here. So whenever you get, whenever God blesses you, I want you to understand that there's a purpose behind it. And you need to see that. You need to recognize that and you say, God's got something in store for this. God's got something in store for this. I'm not going to go into a detail about a situation I had the other day, but, but let me just say that, that I had found a Bible in a trash can, and I put it in my car because I couldn't stand just seeing it sitting there in a the trash can. And I had an umbrella in my back seat of my car. And yesterday I found somebody that needed an umbrella. So I gave them the umbrella and a Bible that I had found in a trash can. I don't care how small it is. If God's blessed you with an umbrella, it may be for a reason. Don't, don't you sit there and ignore what God is doing and God is, how God is speaking to you. Yeah, you, you may need to be kept out of the rain sometimes. And bless your heart, your head may get wet. But there's some people walking in the rain that need an umbrella way worse than you do while you're driving around in your car. When God gives you something, when he blesses you, you've got to understand that it's for a purpose and don't ignore the purpose because you're thinking, man, God is so good, he has blessed me so much. Yeah, God has blessed you, but it's for a reason. And here, things are happening, things are setting up, and, 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 and Joseph's not taking advantage. He's giving them food. They're bringing their lives. It's a fair trade. He's, he's doing an exchange. Like, I know you don't have any money, so bring what you have, and I'll give you food because I don't want you to die. They lasted another year, but the year, listen, listen to what Joseph does. But the year ended, and the next year came, and we cannot hide the truth from you, my Lord. Our money is all gone, and all of our livestock and cattle is yours. You, we have nothing left to give but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your very eyes? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We will offer our land and ourselves as slaves for Pharaoh. Just give us grain so we may live and not die, and the land does not belong, become empty and desolate. So Joseph bought all the land for Pharaoh, and all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was so severe, and soon all the land belonged to Pharaoh. As for the people, he made them all slaves from one end of Egypt to the other. The only land he did not buy was the land belonging to the priests. They received their allotment of food directly from Pharaoh, so they didn't need to sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Look, today I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh. I will provide you with seeds so you can plant the fields. Then when, when you harvest it, one-fifth of the crop will belong to Pharaoh. You may keep the remaining four-fifths as seed for your fields, as food for you and your households and little ones. So they run out of livestock. They run out of money. I said, man, all we got left is our, our, our land and ourselves, and we'll sell them both to you for food so we don't die. And you say, man, slavery. Is God glorifying slavery right here? Let me explain a little something to you. Slavery was not always the treachery and the beating and the nastiness that, 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 that we think of when we think of slaves, right? 
Here in particular, it's more like a sharecropping deal. I mean, look at him. He, he, says, he says, all right, you, you work the fields and one-fifth of it belongs to, to Pharaoh and four-fifths of it belongs to you. Slavery was a way of protecting those people. I want you to understand that. And you see slavery throughout the Bible in different contexts. And I want you to understand that, man, in a lot of ways, it was a way of protecting people. It was a way of bringing them into their care so that, you know what? I'll be responsible for you financially. You just work for me, and I'll take care of you. And that's really the arrangement it was. It's not like the picture you have with, with all the beating and, and, and all this kind of stuff and whipping into submission and control and all that kind of stuff. You know where that comes from? That comes from human beings. God takes something like, like slavery that can be used for somebody's protection, and because of our human nature and our desire to be more controlling and to have more and to, and to just build up our empire, we become more controlling and we have a desire to beat other people down so that we can be lifted up higher. That comes from us. That comes from us. And that's what we actually see happens to the, the Hebrews later, the Jews, the Israelites. That's what happens to them later is that, that Pharaoh... There's a new Pharaoh, and, and the new guy, he doesn't really know about all the, the things that, that was agreed upon with Joseph and, and all that. And they start looking, the Egyptians start looking for a scapegoat. And they see the Jews, the Israelites over there, they're doing well, they're prospering, while the rest of us are not doing so well. And they say, it must be their fault. It must be their fault. That's the way, that's the way people look at Christians too, don't they? How many times have Christians become the scapegoats? It's the Christian's fault, man. It's the Christian's fault that I feel bad for what I've done. <laughs> you did it. Same thing with the Egyptians, by the way. Joseph was in charge of the Egyptians, and nobody did anything in Egypt without Joseph saying they could do it, right? So he's in charge, and he's the leader. Well, what happened was that these people got themselves in a bind. I don't believe it's because Joseph didn't tell them it was coming. I believe it's the leader, Joseph, who said, hey, you're going to be out of food. There's going to be many, many years where you're not going to be able to raise any food. You need to recognize that. You see what the government do is doing? We're all putting ours in storehouses. So let me play devil's advocate here, to use that term a little bit loosely. Now, if you see this guy that's in charge saying, hey, there's going to be a problem in the land, and you're going to be hungry. And the government starts putting food away and stored it in these huge warehouses, these huge freezer houses, and, and, and you go, y'all think we ought to put a little back? You, you, you think maybe we, we ought to stick a little back just in case? Because Joseph, he's been right a lot, and they sure are storing up a lot, and Pharaoh really does trust this guy. Maybe we should put a little in savings. I don't think they did that. I think they used up what they had. They started looking for a handout. I, I think that they, they spent all their money and they spent all their food. And they said, we got nothing. We didn't put anything back in savings. Bail us out. We need a little hand here. Joseph did. He gave them food so they wouldn't die. He said, man, he sold them into slavery. He sold them into protection. That's what he sold them into. I think the Egyptians brought themselves into ruin, and now they're looking for somebody to fix it. And it turns out that Joseph is that guy. 
And he did fix it the best way he could. He said, we'll work out a deal. You give us the land, you work for us. You give some to Pharaoh, you keep the rest for you. So I know it, it may look harsh when you see the word slavery here, but that's not the context that we're talking about. That's not the context we're talking about. I'm going to tell you something else in just a minute, but I'm going to hold off on that. So Joseph said, and then Joseph said to the people, look, today I have brought, bought your land and bought you and your land for Pharaoh. I will provide you a seed and you can plant the fields. Then when you harvest it, one-fifth of the crop will belong to Pharaoh. You may keep the rest, the, the remaining four-fifths of seed for your fields and it's food for you and your households and your little ones. Look at what they said. Look at what they said. You have saved our lives. You have this intercessor that has come before us and has, has bailed us out, has saved our lives. You're, you're a foreigner to us, but you're the one that, that, that has saved our lives. They're recognizing here the importance of Joseph and what he has done for them. I don't think we say this enough to Jesus, do we? I don't, when's the last time you came down to an altar and said, God, you have saved my life. I was in a place of death. I was in a place of destruction. I was in a place that was going to cause me ruin, but you saved my life. I think we need to take some time to just praise God and say, you saved my life. You saved my life. They didn't say they just said it. They exclaimed it. So if you ain't singing loud in church, there's something wrong. You can come sit over here by me. I promise nobody will be able to hear you because I'll be singing louder than you. <laughs> there have been people in the band on this side that say, I've heard you singing before. It's nasty, but they can hear me. I, I, hey, let me tell you. I don't care. I don't care. I, don't, I promise you, if you know anything about me, you know that I sing loud, number one. And number two is I don't care that I sing loud. They exclaimed it. You have saved our lives. I can't help but to shout for joy and say, Jesus Christ, you have saved my life. You have saved my life. May it please you, my Lord. Let us be Pharaoh's servants. Let us be slaves. Let us be slaves. Joseph then issued a decree in effect in the land of Egypt that Pharaoh should receive one-fifth of all the crops in the land. Only the land that belonged to the priest was not given to Pharaoh. Meanwhile, the people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen in Egypt. They were, they, there they acquired property, and they were fruitful, and their population grew rapidly. God's keeping his promise. You, you're going to be the father of many nations, Abraham. I, I know that it looked bad because you're going into a place of isolation because they're racist there, but trust me, you're going to be fruitful and multiply. Sounds like some previous chapters in Genesis, doesn't it? They were fruitful, and their population grew rapidly. They multiplied. Jacob lived for 17 years after his arrival in Egypt, so he lived 147 years in all. As the time of his death drew near, Jacob called for his son Joseph, said to him, Please do me this favor. Put your hand under my thigh and swear that you will treat me with unfailing love and honoring this last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I die, please take, me, take my body out of Egypt and bury me with my ancestors. Joseph promised, I will do as you have asked. Swear that you will do it, Jacob insisted. So Joseph gave his oath, and Jacob humbly bowed at the head of his bed. What's this all about? What's this all about? 
Jacob was on his deathbed. And you know what all, the only thing he can think about? God's promises. God's promises. God's promise that, 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 that Canaan is where he belongs. God's promise that, that, that he's going back there. That there will be a, a return there. And that's the same thing for the house of Jacob that's getting an extreme makeover, is that, that there will be a returning there one day. That this is just a temporary solution, if you will. That's what's on the mind of Jacob as he's on his deathbed. This is just a temporary place. My home is somewhere else. Do you have that thought when you think, Jesus saved my life? Do you go, this is just a temporary situation. My, my home is really somewhere else. God has promised me that my home is somewhere else. We get so wrapped up in right here and right now and what's going on and all this kind of garbage and God's going, this is a temporary situation. Even, even, even for those slaves. I want you to recognize something for just a second. God allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery so he could rescue his family, right? We, we said that like a... 40,000 times in the past few weeks. God also allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery so that those nasty, filthy Egyptians that despised shepherds and people like Jacob and his family, that they could be saved too. Didn't God rescue the Egyptians through Joseph, a Hebrew, a foreigner? Wasn't he an intercessor for all the rest too, not just the Israelites? He's the one that gave them the grain, and he did whatever it took so that they wouldn't starve, they wouldn't die. That's Jesus Christ for all of us. The, the, the most despised, the, the, the ones that, that, that are hated, yes, that's us too, but, but it's also the ones that, that we're not Israelites, we're not Hebrews, we're not Jews. It's everybody else. It's everybody else. God allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery so that one day he could come into power and save not only the Israelites, Jacob and his family, the sons of Abraham, not only so they could be saved, but also the Egyptians that despised the Israelites. Jesus came for everybody. Jesus came for everybody. In case there's any question about that in your mind and you're wondering, man, I don't know if he came for so-and-so and I don't know if he came for... He came for everybody. And that's supposed to be the meditation of our heart whenever we're reaching out to somebody or giving them an umbrella when they look like they need it. it God came for all of us. You can't miss that. And the most glorious thing about it all, the most amazing thing is that we become the slaves. We become the slaves. Slavery. It's not what you've always pictured in your mind. It's not always this, this brutal, cruel place, man. It's a place of protection. If you don't believe me, then go read Romans chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, Titus chapter 1, all of those. Verse 1, chapter 1, as Paul describes himself, a slave to Jesus Christ. That's a place of protection. This slavery is a place of freedom. When you become a slave to Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't look like that to everybody else who's not a slave to Jesus Christ. It looks like bondage. It looks like, well, he's just in control of your life. 
and, and he, he rules and reigns, and he makes you do this, and he makes you do that. And once you become a slave to Jesus Christ, you're like, oh, it's a place where Jesus tells me to do this, and oh, Jesus tells me to do that. And it is a miraculous thing when I listen to Jesus because he's the one that rules and reigns in my life. It doesn't make sense to other people that slavery could be a good thing. Paul describes himself as a slave to Jesus Christ because it's a place of protection. It's a place of freedom. And when God tells you every step that you need to take, it is for one purpose and one person al purpose alone. And that is for salvation, that you may be saved, that you may be protected because you trust that the master knows best. Paul says, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. Jesus takes everything that has a negative connotation, flips it on its end and goes, no, 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 you don't understand. It don't look like that. It's beautiful. It's perfect. You've just been looking at it the wrong way the whole time. Let me pray. Father, God, what an amazing God that you are. Lord, that through the life of Joseph, God, you might be able to rescue all of us. Lord, that as Joseph was an intercessor, God, we too would one day have an intercessor because of him. That because Jacob's family could continue on, God, this would be the lineage of Jesus Christ one day, and we all could have an intercessor going to, before the king. We know that we've got messed up lives. We know that we do things wrong. We know that we've broken your heart. I pray that we would just be a people of repentance. We would come to you. God, we'd ask for your forgiveness so that we can be the people you've called us to be. It will not be easy. God, but I pray that we would be bold Christians. People that say, you know what? I am a slave to Jesus Christ. That he tells me what to do. He shows me the path that I'm supposed to take. He directs every single step. And he provides protection for me because he is my master. Lord, we praise your name for this precious word. We praise your name for your son Jesus. We praise your name for the testimony of Joseph. We praise your name. God, for the faults and the mess-ups in Jacob's family, God, so that we can see that we're not the only ones. God, we need a redeemer. We need an intercessor. And that person is Jesus Christ. We humbly confess that. God, there may be people here today, they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, there may be evidence of that in their life, and Lord, they know that when they lay down at night. And Lord, I just pray that they would surrender all to you and they would become a slave to Jesus Christ today. Lord, we exist for your glory. So, Master, use us. Shape us and mold us as you see fit. Thank you for this precious word. Thank you for, for turning everything on its end. Thank you for our salvation. You have saved our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?